0: Hi, welcome to another new episode of the Declutter Me podcast with myself, Shalina. This week, I wanted to delve into hoarding. Hoarding is a big issue here, as well as in the rest of the world, but especially with the older generation. They're wary to have someone come in and help them declutter, and the younger generation are getting very frustrated, but they're limited by what they can do to help them. I've seen a few potential clients who I think have hoarding tendencies, but have not helped them eventually due to the reservations of having someone come into their house and help them. So I thought it'd be great to discuss this today and to discuss what hoarding actually means and how to identify it with someone who is an expert um, and a professional organizer. I've asked the lovely Jasmine Slay of Change Your Space to join our podcast today. Jasmine is a member of Apto, like me, and has been helping her clients in Exmouth, Devon, since 2013, and is the go-to expert in the southwest of England. Welcome, Jasmine. And uh, I I was just having fights with my friends yesterday about uh, scones and the right way to do it. I am supposedly doing it the Cornwall way, and they do it the Devon way, so... (laughs) And I've been to Devon and not Cornwall, so I don't know what's wrong with that, you know.
1: Uh, Well, I'm from Somerset, so I can take either option and still be okay.
0: Yeah, well, at the end of the day, it's cream and jam and scones, so (laughs) anyone would be happy. But yeah, no, we were having a massive, like, not massive, but we were having a a bit of a discussion about it yesterday while we're having tea. Um, So anyway, hi, Jasmine, how are you doing? Keeping well, thank you, Selena. Yeah, keeping well. Awesome. Um, and how is the weather there now? I heard it was raining the other day. Yeah, it is raining, but
1: we take the nice autumnal days when they're bright with uh, with
0: glee. <laughs> yeah, I do miss that. I miss the rain, proper rain, not sandy rain. Um, <laughs> anyway, I, we're not going to talk about weather today. So anyway, we're going to talk about you. Um, so you started in 2013. So what were you doing beforehand before you became an organiser?
1: Well, I um, I worked for about uh, 12, 13 years in local government. I was um, sort of the person they brought in for projects, sort of short-term projects, uh, performance management and business planning. So in short, so, you know, I, um, I spent most of my working career uh, encouraging people to do things they didn't really want to do. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, corporate work. Um, yeah and extra on their workload and trying to find ways to um, build relationships with people outside of my team so that they would participate fully with corporate projects and try and find ways in which it would meet their own departmental interests really so I enjoyed that I enjoyed that a lot Um, but uh, yeah it's um, great doing what I do now of course.
0: Yeah so what made you become an organizer and like leave local government and do that? Yeah, I mean, I think I the, i
1: was part of the big exodus from local government here in the UK uh, seven or eight years ago. Um, right. I had the birth of my son. It seemed a practical time to, to think about doing something that was more flexible. Um, right. But actually I think more than that, I was quite hungry to uh, be part of tangible change in people's lives, tangibly changing things for the better. Mm-hmm. I had looked back on my sort of 12, 13 years in local government and felt like I'd moved a lot of paper around. Um, right. I'm not sure what I'd actually achieved. And of course these things are very subject to the latest political populist sort of agenda and some things you'd be working on would suddenly not be important. Whereas I thought right. would be great to work in a place where it was much more clear what needed to be done um, and how it was going to make a, a very real difference to people
0: all right okay and then so you got into organising what were you doing at the beginning because i'm assuming you didn't get into hoarding straight away were you just a generalist or yeah what so made think, you get into it uh,
1: like most people i think yeah I just dip my toe into um helping people get their homes shaped up in a way that was more accessible and um comfortable for them and you know they could fulfil their interests that sort of thing but very quickly very early on in my career i mean i was a bit tenacious anyway because I really did not want to go back to a desk job so I was contacting everybody and anybody who was going into people's homes and one of the early contacts I had was with the fire and rescue service here in the UK and very nice very enlightened manager there at the time um, brought me in to do some joint working with their home fire safety visits that they were doing where people were finding it was difficult to move through the property without um, trip hazards and that sort of thing, where maybe um, front door, back door wasn't as accessible as it should be, that sort of thing, things that would start to raise a bit of um, uh, concern with agencies. So I was brought into that quite early. And then, of course, very quickly, you realise when it's really significant, when somebody's home is really full to the point that they are swapping home comforts, for stockpiling um mm. there's, a, there's a particular way in which people present and actually at the time there was nobody else across the whole of the southwest that was working with people carefully you know right. the only option was leaving people at risk or putting in full clearance neither right. which was was good whereas I provided a an option to work carefully with people so just word spread then across housing associations and they government um, housing projects that there was Mm. an alternative um, that could work collaboratively with tenants and people where they they were finding it difficult to move around their property due to to it being so
0: full. Right. And then, so I've seen those different levels of clutter in the pictures. I mean, I've been to sessions during our conferences Mm. where they've had that. Um, And I mean, I have seen quite... A lot of clutter in houses you know where you can't move but what is it for you is it the di- is it different levels or is it the more extreme that you can't even walk in and you have to start removing things gradually uh,
1: I think um there are no two ha- homes that are the same um and the cl- I think the clutter rating scale like you say is is quite useful the way that it's useful when I do training for um public agencies is that they have a Common language um, when they're talking to each other, and maybe with families. And you mentioned about families sort of being involved as well, where they yeah. have a common understanding. Saying the home is very full, or the, m- my mother is a hoarder, actually doesn't t- doesn't really tell me en- enough at that stage because right. everybody's yeah. parameters of these things are quite different. And the clutter rating scale gives that at least. Um, like a, a, a common uh, sense of what sort of level of, of how full it is we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and also for public agencies to understand, you know, in times of um, restricting their Budget, you know, having restricted budgets, what's the sort of threshold by which public agencies will fund support, where it's serious enough and where where it isn't, so that it's useful in that regard. And evaluation. So, I mean, no way do I say, look, I'm going to take it from a nine right down to a to a two in three weeks. It's it's not like that, but it's it's helpful to give a sense of well, this person's at a. A six, seven, which is getting dangerous for them, we can take them to a four or five by doing X, Y, and Z. Um, right. So it is useful as a tool, but the thing is, there's so many more questions to ask. I mean, the big yeah. thing is the person able to start seeing that they they want things to be different. That is the right. main thing. So the yeah. actual personality of the person and their um, how the home has become so full how pronounced their challenges are um mm. in terms of their own reservations about moving things around um i mean obviously we ask questions like what's being stored and is it every room um, yeah but the, it gives us just a starting point really to that conversation and then we right. need to get to know the person <laughs> uh, before we can do any more
0: work so what and yeah that's an, another thing about Like because you're if you're getting referrals from the associations and from the fire and rescue, like when does the client come become involved and are they is it a long process to get them to understand what you're going to do and that to let you in because I can I I mean I assume that they're very reluctant to let anybody in to touch anything you know
1: I think that's the thing that I've learned over the last seven years very very quickly is that if somebody has just got, uh, their home has got quite chaotic um, for a, a variety of reasons, or a bit they've got overwhelmed for a variety mm. of reasons. um But they've called and they're willing to start doing things, and then you can set out a project and you can start to make uh, inroads together carefully. But if yep. somebody is more seriously hoarding and they've been hoarding for a long time and they've been referred by an outside agency or a comp- certain family member um, mm. they can instantly be on the back foot and yeah. so there's an awful lot of lead in time building trust um and also they can often present in a way where uh they there's a multitude of concerns that they have about their yeah. and their life and they will present them all at the same time and so finding in all that the patience to listen to it all all yeah. you know with with proper ears proper empathy um, and then come up with some sort of small project and goal that you can both agree on can at yeah. a bit of time so how,
0: roughly i mean for me i go in in a day or half a day and help people this this sounds like weeks <laughs> or months like how Roughly, how long does it take? Say, if they were a clutter rating seven to go down to say a five. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm suppose I'm asking the wrong question. Like it could take ages. It depends on the person, obviously, doesn't it?
1: It could, and I think in reality, if somebody's home is is dangerously full, what you're looking to do to keep your own motivation as a professional organizer, keep the relationship going, and still be funded, if it's public, be funded is come up with some realistic, tangible goals that you can tick off that improve their safety. What you can't do is say, we're going to get all of this sorted out for you by, you know, six months' time. Um, Let's make sure your boiler can be serviced before Christmas. You know, we're we're very specific. Uh... And and that way, I know so it keeps it on the positive because, you know, nobody wants to focus on, well, actually, we need to um extract at least three-quarters of what's in this property for it to be safe. That's not a good opener. No, no,
0: no. With hoarding difficulties. Um and I mean for me from here, I mean and I've said it at the beginning that there's a lot of Middle East families, a lot of local families, they have lived in these big villas and houses and, you know, the, the commercialization of everything came around in the 80s and they've just bought and bought and bought and not get rid, got rid of anything. And I have a lot of clients, especially the fathers, have bought things and don't want to let go. Mm-hmm. Um, VHS, DVDs, you know, um, they've, they've had the video cameras from the early days, so they've got all the pictures and trying to convert it here is very difficult Mm. so there's all those kind of things and uh, you know trying to explain to them you know that you need to start making space for yourself some people buy two villas just so that they can fit stuff you know sleep in the other house and they have all the stuff with that and just trying to explain to them that it's the waste of money that they could have a comfortable life blah 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 but that doesn't seem to work so you know how can I you know what would you suggest to deal with you know these kind of clients and helping the the, you know the kids who are saying we need help because I mean it leads to depression for the the younger generation because they're living with all this clutter which is a big issue here as well Mm -hmm. um yeah so what's your thoughts I know I know it's a very big big question (laughs) I think
1: that's the hardest to hold on to which you can do as a, a professional organizer um, but it's so difficult when you're a family member or a close friend. Yeah. Is that holding on to belongings is um, it comes from worry, fear and, uh, you know, not being too melodramatic about it, but there'll be some angst about it. And yeah. so it might come across, especially the gentleman, I have to say that it comes across quite not aggressive, but it can be quite defensive when you suggest sorting out because all they see is, loss something going out that they might regret some loss of identity it's all about something being taken away from them and nobody likes that so trying to concentrate on the positives is exactly as you said you know the positives you have the extra money in the bank or you know the space can be used for something very tangible especially there's lots of people who find the the manageable project of um, we are going to turn that room into, I mean, look, behind me, this is my husband's studio. Right, okay. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> yes, <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to turn that space into something that suits you. Right, yeah. <laughs> will be done in a day. <laughs> um, there has. I joke about it, but it, there has to be some positive gain. There has yeah. to be something that's going to be rewarding um, at the end of it. Otherwise, the focus becomes on what's going out. Yeah, he likes that really.
0: Yeah, and I think that seems to be the thing here that they don't want to get rid of things, and they think they can it can be used by the next generation or by somebody else. And mm-hmm. of course, with things like VHS and uh, videotapes, uh, it's it's just you can't use them. Uh, even though I had one client he did have a lot of VHS but he also had 20 videos nice. uh, system which he'd got from a, his friend who had closed his video shop yeah. so I, I I didn't know what to say I was a loss for words for once so I was just like the, the,
1: one of the things that's quite helpful from what you said I mean a couple of things one is is a lot of it's about compromise if somebody has 20 videos and it would be better if they had one you know if they if they took two or three away that they really felt had had it and really were no use to anybody. That is yeah. a so. Yeah. It's starting small, compromising, not expecting it all to go. I think it's, you know is helpful. What we tend to do with all belongings is. No matter what And I always say to people, no matter what you're showing me, I've probably seen more of them somewhere else. Exactly, you know, yeah. Obviously keeping the confidentiality of all clients. And I'm deeply empathic, of course, but, you know, we do get to see a lot. So um, getting everything out so that they can look at it and say the sort of trick is we're not going to get rid of today. We're just going to have a little look at what you've got. We're doing a little audit of what you've right. got. Okay, so you're already tricking the brain into not worrying, which is a state yes. of mind mm-hmm. We're gonna have a little look. We're gonna see what videos you've got there, you know, what sort of uh, brands you've got there, what and then we're gonna look, we're gonna kind of put them in priority order, ones you like best, ones that you know you think you do something with, um, okay. and that really and then suddenly that the decluttering bit comes easy because ten of them are ace and ten of them have had it. So yeah. yeah that you know the focus is on what are my favorites not yeah which ones are rubbish yeah, yeah. <laughs> or which ones are extraneous to me I should say. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> or oh, I, I find sometimes when you know when I do get to penetrate through and I'll see especially um Arab they have the Arabic or Indian tapes yeah. and uh they'll have duplicates so I'll say look you've got a duplicate so, have one and give the one another one to me so I can listen to it. And they'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. And then, of course, I go give it to Donation. But I'm just like, you see, you've got, got rid of one. Like, I'll have a listen because they'll, they'll, you know, they think I, I'll listen to it and be culturally more, you know, expanded or whatever. But I don't have a tape player anymore. So, <laughs> that's
1: a really good point as well, which is the rehoming so that things have another use or uh, uh, somehow people do want that they can sometimes hold on to things because they're really crippled by the the guilt of the fact that something will just go to landfill um yes. or, or just be not used obsolete but um if they feel like it's going to go and do something positive even if it's small i mean even when we get to sort of recycling i say look the parts will sort of, you know it's one of the most buoyant parts of the uk economy is is recycling yes. so, yeah so you know, um we need to get that Thing out there to be reused and enjoyed, you know. So you make a good point that when people feel like it's going to a good cause or or a good use, then it makes it easier to let go.
0: Yeah, it's all about sustainability here now. I mean, the recycling is still in early stages here, but uh, yeah, the you know using it or selling it—that's uh, a, that's a big thing. Or putting it in the limited recycling bins we have—it's it's a good start. Um, so if People want to, you know, get friends or family or whoever into, you know, to get a organizer like yourself mm-hmm. to start helping them. What's the best way for them to approach you and to also approach their their, you know, the person that's hoarding? Um, what's the best way to start the process? i mean
1: if it's somebody who's
0: concerned about a
1: family member, they absolutely should speak to family member first about doing anything and just but to jet yeah. be, be gentle it will take every every ounce of um feeling okay with yourself as a family member to engage in a conversation because it's going to be difficult and Mm. do everything you can just to keep it light and positive and perhaps end the conversation when you think it's going to be problematic because it can become quite a defensive chat, um, like I say, for all the reasons that we've mentioned before. Um, But if they feel very worried about the person and their safety, then obviously there are agencies that they can start to to approach about their welfare. Right. From my point of view, um, having a trusted friend and a family member is fantastic as a small way of of people starting to make s- small tangible projects start to happen. Where yeah. I it's dif- where I think it's more problematic is when um, family members are quite or or um, uh, friends are very close and they really because they care so much they get very frustrated things are not moving quick enough. Yeah. Uh, And I would say if somebody's home is very full and they're being quite defensive about it, then a professional organiser is probably the way to go, even if it's just to get some advice or even as a sounding board. I I think I must have had about 10 calls this week from people who are just using me as a sounding board for the conversations they're having with family members. Wow. I do appreciate how. how um, frustrating it is for them will any of those come back to recruit my services i don't know i hope so but i mean I just yeah. put it out there you know when people have hoarding as a real serious issue they've been living with it for 15 20 years not going to be undone overnight but, but yeah no, no. start and then where they think it's appropriate, even if they will speak to a professional organiser on the telephone, no judgement, no obligation. I think it's worthwhile yeah. for an sort of independent sort of expert view and they're not too close to it all. Um, so they can take that little bit of time back about hearing what somebody's actually saying.
0: Yeah, that's very true. Um, and talking about like the psychologically uh, psychological aspects of it, um, do you suggest for them to go for therapy or to a counsellor while they're working with you or is this something that happens naturally because I can imagine that there must be something underlying with them before you know for them to get to that stage it's always the
1: best scenario if somebody is doing therapy alongside our work or has done therapy first and then does our work that's the ideal but um that's not The majority of cases is there's they need their boiler sorted out and that's where they're focusing their efforts. The most I can do is make representation to the individual or to the um, funding agency if I feel like this is something much more pronounced than the i say just you know like a period of depression or anxiety that is now alleviating is something yeah. much more you know hoarding disorder is, is a secondary level psychological condition and you can see it and tell almost on the phone with somebody but you but if it, it's really making it difficult for them to sort out their belongings and i can make recommendations mm-hmm. uh, yeah it's um it's listening to the to the person and um and see where they are ideally they would be um making those steps yeah we work with people anyway and you know hope that our positive coaching is something and that they will go on from there to to look at the 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 psychological aspects themselves
0: yeah and yeah and you hope that all the time i mean most a lot of my clients are dealing with grief or divorce so there's all that aspect Uh, Mm -hmm. but convincing them to go for therapy it's I mean it's a decision they have to make but I am I'm sure it's the same for you and then also what about you I I mean you what you're dealing with is mentally challenging so how do you cope with it because I mean for me I'm exhausted at the end of the day I have to have a long shower and eat good food but yours is at a whole different level you know it must be exhausting (laughs)
1: <laughs> i'm not a very empathic friend <laughs> I, I, that's not true, I, mean, um, I do get empathy overload and i'm recognizing it even in myself at the moment we've been very busy after lockdown very busy and like i say there's been lots and lots of calls and i there will come a point where i will have to switch my phone off for the weekend yeah i look around my home and really count my blessings that i don't have a problem with stuff. Yeah. You know, I've got space, I enjoy my space, I've got belongings, I know what I've got, I know I've got where, and I enjoy those things. And I I just find myself really grateful and I have to be, get myself back in that grateful spot, ready right. to come out there next week, you know, and deal with people who find it painstaking to let yeah. you know a wrapper or something go. Um so I have to sort of gird myself a little bit. But yeah much of that is about just resting um being um sort of grateful for my space and and just relax a little bit yeah but um yeah I am an understanding friend but there there comes a point where I'm if I've got any friends with problems I have to sort of schedule them in because yeah yeah I'm
0: at, uh, at the level where I can take anymore. Yeah, yeah. I know, I can imagine. I mean, I, yeah, I come home and I will have dinner, watch Netflix, and I'll watch the most brain-dead thing ever or a Disney movie because that's – I can't think, like, mm-hmm. after. And so, yeah, for you, it, it's a whole – it's that whole other level because it's not decluttering. It's dealing more with talking mm-hmm. to them and, you know, being empathetic empathetic I can't pronounce it and, you know, emotionally, what's the word they call emotionally available to, to help them as well, isn't it? So um so what I always ask what are your top tips and tricks? I think it might be a bit more difficult in this sort of situation. But what are your top tips and tricks? <laughs> um I mean I may have just
1: sort of touched on them early on and that is you know the whole let's have a little look at what you've got and that even for advice for family and friends I would say if somebody if they feel like they've got a, a problem, problem a challenge in sorting out, yeah. rather than go right we're just gonna cut in half what you've got here to start with let's should we just have a little look what's in here we did a w- work with a client recently who was finding sorting really problematic doesn't necessarily have to be a full hoarder but just somebody who found it difficult and um, yeah. I said shall we do books and I saw in his eyebrows he said no yeah <laughs> And he kind of looked, he was quite quiet. I was like, shall we do books? And um I said, let's just have a little look. Let's just yeah. you've got a lot of books around, but just go and have a little look at what you've got. And I went away with six or seven sacks of books. But he wow. enjoyed my success because he was talking me through where he got the books from, where you know, it, it was it became an enjoyable process where we were just examining it wasn't about i had the bags at the ready but it wasn't about him handing me books to go that we just set it up that he was going to show me it's yeah. just, it becomes an inevitable part then of prioritizing and seeing what you've got you get grateful to the things that you really like makes yeah. it easier on the other side to let other things go so that would be my biggest tip i think is to to start it as a
0: uh, let's go see project yeah let's see that's a that's a brilliant idea I think I'll have to do that um I don't know if you saw I, I watch uh Gogglebox uh, quite a lot so they had uh one with there's a housing association show on tv right now and they had a, a, a man who passed away after, and they'd already cleared his house so do you you know how do you deal with this poor man he had such beautiful pieces of mm-hmm. um art and maps and books and things like how do you deal with that because of course it's it's a lot it's hoarding but it's worth a lot sometimes isn't it
1: it is I think um clearing the way so people can see the things that are valuable is usually a good point because there are lots of things that people can make decisions on that are that are easier um yeah. and you know in the current climate valuations are not always true to what things would be you know out there um in terms of um antiques and things like that but yeah I mean the difficulty I have is that I try and see things through other people's eyes and, and when people hoard everything is special and important so I really I don't I mean for a I don't really see that much of great significant value right um secondly I mean I wouldn't know if I saw anything <laughs> of value, not that, not, <laughs> but I because I'm seeing it through their eyes everything that we come across really is potentially useful to them that's one of the things yeah. that quickly changes when you work with people who have accumulated and hoard is that you yeah. cannot prejudge whether something that looks like it's done in and had its day is actually not special to somebody. Um, yeah. So for all sorts of reasons. And also because I think the sentimental reasons why people keep things are much more interesting and more poignant to them than whether it was worth a thousand pounds, for example.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, so, yeah it would it, i'd not have that circumstance come my way but uh but generally speaking we we start with clearing the way so that they can enjoy and see the things that are of value and of interest to them yeah um, yeah uh, rather than worry about getting those things out first
0: yeah okay awesome And thank you so much for this how can people find you um especially in the southwest of the of england <laughs> so um
1: they can go to my website which is www.changeyourspace.co.uk so it's change your space um i'm also i'm also on instagram which is the main social yes, you are. For my youth now, um, I think it's just easier. People like the visual, and I don't do lots of before and afters, so don't expect that from me. Right. Um, yeah. But we sometimes take pictures of unusual things we found in people's homes with their permission. Um, yeah. and like so it's quite a good visual way of, of connecting with the strange world of professional organising. And they can find me there by uh, it's Jasmine, with an E on the end, J-A-S-M-I-N-E underscore change
0: your space and you should have more pictures of th- things that nobody knows what they are like i love those when we have it in our association where it's guess what the item is and yeah, yeah. and I, i'll spend so long thinking of what is <laughs> <laughs> they are brilliant especially because it's old things from home and i'm like oh my god i remember this from when i was young <laughs> well thank you so much for being on the episode i really appreciate it. and it's 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 just been eye opening and just so interesting and helpful as well for me because, you know, I do see these things. Um, So thank you so much. Um, Thank you as well to the listeners for listening to the Declutter Me podcast. If you'd love to get some more tips and tricks, you can follow us on social media. We're also on Instagram, um, Twitter and Facebook at DEC. L-U-T-T-R-M-E and if you don't want to miss our weekly podcast you can subscribe to Me on Apple um, oh, sorry Apple, Spotify and Angami and any of your favourite podcast players as well as YouTube. Um, thank you again and we'll see you next time